This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. I'm Sam Camp, and I'm your host, joined by Richard Blackaby. Good to be with you again, Sam. It's good to be with you as well, and it's good to have all of our listeners with us, Mm -hmm. as always. Uh, Today, we're we're starting a new series, which is always exciting. New things are always good. It's, uh, you know, New Year. Behold, I would do a new thing, says the Lord. Exactly. New things are great, and Mm -hmm. it's... Uh, it's always exciting. I love new things, uh, probably too much, because yeah. I'll forget to finish uh, perhaps the old thing or whatever it was, the last new thing that I started. Uh, but um, for this podcast, we're doing something new. And as you would guess, it has to do with leaders. Yeah. And uh, specifically, we're calling it Leaders in the Bible. And so what we'd like to do is take a look at some of the leaders that have been mentioned in the Bible, uh, some obvious ones uh, come to mind, but we're going to go through and just look at their leadership. Uh, it, we often look at, I think, biblical characters in more of a uh, perhaps devotional way, that, hey, you know, what about their life and their perhaps relationship to God or Christ can we glean from that? But I think a lot of times we forget that these were people who were leading other people, and uh, I think sometimes that can be lost. And, and Richard, you have a, you've done some work in this area already. Um, I know you talk about Moses in your book, Living Out of the Overflow. Mm-hmm. And so, as it happens, uh, we're going to be talking about Moses today. Yeah. And so maybe just out of the gate, um, why Moses? Uh, what about his life? About his leadership uh, merits a, a podcast? And maybe that's obvious, but why don't you tell us? why you've picked Moses to, to start this new series. Yeah, uh, Sam, as you said, uh, the book or the Bible is filled with great lessons on leadership. Uh, it's, uh, it's about influence. It's about changing the world. And uh, thousands of years after the Bible was written, we're still being impacted by their lives. So yeah. they've obviously had a lasting influence. And uh, Moses is certainly one of those in some ways, certainly in the Old Testament, perhaps the greatest leader of the Old Testament. And in fact, the first uh, five books of the Bible are, are known as the law, uh, the Pentateuch. And at times it's just known as the book, the books of Moses. Uh, yeah. Moses is traditionally seen as the author of those books, uh, which was the foundation of uh, the Jewish religion, uh, the law, uh, which the Pharisees would become great experts in. But uh, Moses is uh, the towering figure of the Old Testament. For sure. Much like uh, Elijah will become the towering figure of the prophets. And you could say David, towering figure of uh, the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those three characters together cover great, they dominate, you might say, a, a great part of the, the law, the prophets, and the, the Psalms, the, lit- the literature, or the, the, you know, the, the wisdom literature. And so... I thought we'd just start with Moses because he's such a foundational person. Yeah. Well, that's great. So so maybe what are some things, let's start with, you know, we've done leader profiles uh, in the past and it's something, it's a favorite, uh, I think, segment on this podcast, but mm-hmm. um, maybe let's look at some of his accomplishments and then also what he had to overcome uh, in order to be the leader that God called him to be. 
Well, certainly Moses is known as the deliverer of the Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, no small feat. No. Yeah. You know, we're not sure necessarily how many years they were in bondage, but they were in Egypt altogether, the Bible says, about 430 years. And so assuming that at least half that time or more was spent in bondage, then uh, you're trying to deliver people who've been slaves for a couple of centuries. Yeah. And you got to think in a couple of centuries, these people have longed for freedom. They've dreamed of ways to escape, but nothing has ever worked. And then one day Moses shows up and says, I have a word from God and God Mm. wants uh, to take you out. And uh, he takes people that have been slaves for generations. They have a slave mentality. They're not uh, strong leaders, most of them. They live in fear. Uh, they've been intimidated all their lives. And so to orchestrate them in a way that uh, they can trust God in a wilderness, facing down the world's uh, most powerful army, is no small feat. And so he, he delivers them and basically founds the nation of Israel. Uh, and not only does he just, uh, if he had just done that, that would have been significant. But perhaps his more lasting contribution is that he writes the, the law. He, he goes and gets the Ten Commandments and all of the foundational laws that the Jewish people, even to this day, uh, to some extent still follow, uh, certainly the Orthodox Jews do, mm-hmm. um, is a tribute to his lasting uh, influence because he, he wrote the law. And I always say, uh, if you want to have a lasting influence, put your thoughts down on paper yeah. and by writing, uh, five books of the law, uh, even thousands of years later, people are still being impacted by Moses thought. He was trained in the schools of Egypt. And so you could say he had a law degree, mm-hmm. um, the best education available in the world at the time. And, uh, I think it's not surprising that the, the, the person who, writes the primary law of the Old Testament is a very well-educated person. And certainly the person who delineates a lot of the law in the New Testament uh, or the gospel and the, and that, that teaching is Paul, who also is highly educated. And many have said that perhaps the most exalted um, uh, book of the prophets is Isaiah. And Isaiah, again, would have been a very educated person in the king's court. And so Moses establishing the law is a writer, a thinker, uh, but also a man of action. And so you put all that together and uh, as a thinker, and he doesn't just deliver the Israelites, he establishes the culture of the Israelites, mm. uh, a lifestyle, uh, standards of this is how we will be as a people. And so he leaves his mark uh, even that, that is still being felt even to this day. Well, you know, and I th- when you think of Moses, he is that sort of singular character in Scripture. And, uh, but even Moses, I think it's interesting, uh, had his number two, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we often attribute that sort of singular genius, if you will, of leadership. And, and Moses certainly... I think you could fall into that trap of thinking that he just did it all himself. Obviously, he was called from God, but but even with, with Moses, he had good people around him as well that, yeah. that allowed him to be a leader. So maybe uh, tell us what 
you know, likely we know some of the the things that he had to overcome, but yeah, maybe quite famous. Run down the highlights for us. Uh, well, uh, for one, I think we forget sometimes that he is actually at least the third uh, child, maybe the baby of the family. He's got an older brother, Aaron, and he's got an older sister, Miriam. Mm-hmm. And so he's got two older siblings. And that's just not done that uh, a, a younger sibling leads the older siblings. Yeah, And, and of course, that would cause him some conflict. Uh, at one point, Miriam gets a little disrespectful of him as the older sister, uh, it's, it's, you wonder sometimes when Moses said, I, I can't speak, was he used to Aaron always doing the talking of the two of them? Uh, is that why God says, okay, I'll get your older brother. You're, you're used to letting him do the talking anyway. Um, and so of course in the Bible, even though that's, uh, expected that the firstborn, um, son will will lead the family. Oftentimes that's not the case. People right. like David, uh, has got lots of older brothers. Uh, Jacob uh, ends up leading over his twin brother Esau, who's technically older than he is. So God doesn't necessarily follow that rule, but but, but society typically does. And so for Moses, you can kind of understand maybe a little bit about why is he so reluctant to lead? Well, he's the baby of his family. He, he yeah. may not have led anything uh, growing up um, in one sense. He, he was raised in the king's court and Pharaoh's court, so he he is well-educated and he's, he's groomed to be a prince. Right. But it, maybe birth order has something to do with it. Um, and then, of course, he... Uh, he almost, he almost dies. Uh, he's almost put to death, uh, as a baby. Pharaoh puts out the word to kill all the babies. Uh, we got too many male babies being born and we're getting overrun. Uh, and of course he's miraculously saved. And I've often thought about that, you know, as a historian, you look back over a person's life and lots of people could look back and say, I was actually quite ill there, or my mother almost died at this point, uh, or my dad served in the army and was almost killed uh, before I was born. And it's not hard to look back sometimes and realize, had it not been for God's providential care over your ancestors or over your own life as a child, um, the fact that you're alive today uh, to serve God is something of a miracle in itself. And I think Moses certainly is one of those you could look back and say, well, God must have had a, obviously God had a purpose for him uh, because God spared his life. And I think sometimes even for us, we need to stop and look at our life and say, if God has preserved me through that almost fatal car accident I was in as a teenager and that illness that put me in the hospital and, uh, well, maybe um, maybe that's because God has a purpose for my life, mm. and there's there's something God is keeping me around for that I need to accomplish. And then, of course, uh, he experiences an early failure in his life, which uh, which could attribute to uh, be attributed to some of his reluctance to lead anything later. Yeah, uh, you know he he's probably told uh, God has a purpose for your life. Uh, One day God may use you to deliver your people. And so he's grown up with those thoughts dancing around in his head. And so as he famously does, when he's about 40 years old, he goes out to see his people. And you can imagine he's grown up in the king's palace. Uh, He's grown up with riches and comfort and and, uh, all kinds of opulence. And so, but he decides to go 
something draws him. Let's go look at my slave relatives and see how they're doing. And Which that's got, I mean, you know, just psychologically, that's got to be very disorienting for him. Yeah. You to, wonder to think what, like so. You wonder what kind of guilt he might have felt. Yeah, because his own his own sister and brother and parents are living as slaves, being whipped by Egyptian taskmasters, while he is being fanned by slaves and all the comforts of uh, Pharaoh's palace. Well, and you wonder too, just the 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 people's attitude towards him as well. Yeah, when he does start to think of himself as a leader. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, I imagine if I were a Hebrew that's been working on a pyramid uh, all my life, and here comes one of my relatives who's been living in the king's palace, but he he identifies as one of us, but he's yeah. you know he has no calluses on his hands, no yeah. no lash marks on his back. Hey, but I'm you're my people. It's like yeah, not not likely. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So, uh, and who knows? I mean, maybe part of his job was uh, overseeing the army or uh, maybe he was looked as just part of, you know, management that has created all this grief. But but he uh, sees a couple of his people being uh, mistreated and and famously, as, as we know the story, he uh, looks this way and looks that way and then kills the Egyptian. And tries to bury him, tries to bury the evidence. And, of course, ironically, people have said that when Moses tried to deliver the the Israelites his way, he was unable even to bury one Egyptian. Hmm. When he does things God's way, God buries an entire Egyptian army. Yeah. Uh, and to say there's a huge difference between doing things your way and doing it God's way. Hmm. He can't even hide one Egyptian body, and uh, it gets back to the pharaoh and and moses has to run for his life so moses is uh, a murderer he's failed uh he's he now instead of uh having the favor of the pharaoh he's uh wanted he's a wanted man by the pharaoh he can't show his face back in egypt he's got nothing he's uh now he's he's he can't really identify with his own people because he's never lived as a slave with them he can't identify with the egyptian people anymore so it's almost as if his life has just come to an end and he ends up out in a wilderness. And for 40 years, the only job he can get is working for his father-in-law and uh, herding sheep. This guy's trained to be a prince. And instead uh, of all this great training and everything else, he's herding sheep for 40 years, oftentimes probably just by himself with nothing but these animals. And you do it for 40 years. I mean, that'd be fine as a respite or uh, a landing uh, site till he moves on to something else. But uh, after 40 years of just working with dumb animals, you sort of <laughs> figure that's it, you know, like there's there's nothing more. He's a failure. He's a murderer. He's a fugitive. Uh, he probably works alone most of the time. So he doesn't even relate to other people. It doesn't, if his father-in-law, if it's his flocks, uh, he may not even be selling them or working all those kind of details out. He just is out there with him and the sheep. Uh, and so you just think after 40 years, uh, there's just, there's no future. There's no hope. Uh, any chances I did have in my life, I've blown them. Uh, yeah. I missed my opportunity. So, um, you know, he, uh, at that point, from his early failure, uh, would conclude, I missed my chance. And the interesting thing is when you look at, as we've looked at a number of just biographies uh, from history, they all have early failures. 
Uh, it seems as if every one of them makes mistakes, uh, has regrets, does some foolish things in their youth. It almost seems to be a prerequisite for being a great leader later. Is, And, of course, it's how you process your failures that really matters or how yeah. you let God process them. And so uh, he certainly had his um, failures as well. Uh, the last thing maybe just to say about uh, Moses and the upbringing is uh, he also had his areas of weakness, and um, as, again, all leaders do, uh, and probably two that were uh, particular to him. One was he had an anger issue. Uh, yeah. There's several times in the Bible where Moses will lose it. And when you see the kind of grumbling, complaining, criticizing people that he had to work with all the time, it's not necessarily surprising. Yeah, it's not hard to blame Uh, him. But for instance, when he's coming down with the Ten Commandments and he sees the people all worshiping Baal and so on, uh, the golden calf, he uh, throws the tablets to the ground, breaks them, We'll have to go back up the mountain and get a second set uh, because the first ones weren't insured. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and basically just God doesn't tell him to do that. God God's the one who dictated, wrote the first Ten Commandments. And But Moses gets angry and does damage. Um, and uh, several times uh, Moses will do that. He'll get very angry. Uh, now, he's normally a fairly humble person. But uh, now and then he he cracks. And, of course, uh, the last time that we have record of that is found in Numbers chapter 20, where uh, Moses now is leading the people. It looks like they're going to actually make it into the promised land. Uh, After 40 years of wandering in a wilderness, finally Moses gets his chance to, to get to the promised land. But the people complain. They don't have water once again. I think it it something snaps for Moses. And uh, yeah. He, uh, instead of speaking to the rock and water coming out the way God told him to, Moses strikes the rock twice and, and he, and he touches the glory of God. He says, uh, uh, must we bring water for you out of this rock? And at that point, God says, Moses, you're not going in. You're 120 years old. You've waited over a century to, for this moment, but that little angry outburst just cost you Hmm. your life stream. And, and so it's sad because you don't, there's only really a handful of times where Moses gets angry, but, but each time it's relatively, it's, it's quite costly to him. And you don't, sometimes your, your vulnerability doesn't mean that you suffer from it every day. It just means that when it does show up, it, it has a way of doing great damage to you and your leadership career. And I would say there are those leaders that have just had those uh, vulnerable spots. Uh, for some, it's been uh, sexual sin, uh, and pastors, leaders have been doing all kinds of uh, great things for years, but they, there's always this weak spot in their life. If encountering the right temptation, the right circumstance, all of their marriage, their family, their career, their reputation, all of it could go down the drain in, mm. in a moment of weakness. And so it's almost like just a uh, a, a weak spot that uh, under the right pressure, it can break. And uh, and that's what happens with Moses. He has this kind of shadow of of an anger problem that uh, you, you're never quite sure. Like, and it, it might have been years since the last time he had a total anger breakdown. But uh, yeah. boy, when he does, it's costly. And, yeah. uh, and then the other, the other aspect is just a delegation, which is quite a famous story with him. 
He's uh, working from night till day, judging and doing all the work for an entire nation of people. And of course, his his father-in-law Jesse comes and says, "Why are you? Why are you? Or Jethro says, "Why are you? Why are you doing all this? Why are you not appointing other able-bodied people to at least do the lower-level stuff? Like uh, you maybe do the most important, most difficult cases, but there's other people who could do a lot of what you're doing." And and Moses, uh, as you said, he has some great people around him, but often he doesn't make use of them. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't matter how many great lieutenants you have if you don't give them anything to do. Right. And so that seems to be something that he uh, manages to deal with and address, perhaps better than his anger issue. But uh, And God did put some people like Aaron around him and, and then uh, Joshua as well, uh, a successor as well that uh, he does pour into and ultimately takes his place. But uh, But Moses, like all leaders has those areas of vulnerability that if left unchecked, unguarded, uh, on a typical day when things aren't going too badly, uh, it probably doesn't make any difference. If you, have, you don't, if you have an anger issue, but it's just a normal day, then that's fine. But under stress and strain, if you've never really confronted that area of your life, then it can do serious damage. And uh, as leaders, I think if we're going to be in it for the long haul, then we've got to address those issues in our life as well because we just never know when it could trip us up. Certainly. Well, before we look at some takeaways from Moses' life, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Whether at home, on the job, or in the ministry, we can all have a greater impact on the world around us for the kingdom of God. Join Richard Blackaby at the Billy Graham Training Center at The Cove to learn about increasing your spiritual influence on April 6th through the 8th 2020. Space is limited, so register soon at the link in the show notes. If you like what we're doing and would like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Even a little bit will go a long way toward keeping this podcast going for the months and years to come. To support this podcast, click on the link in the show notes. We are truly grateful for our wonderful community of listeners. Well, Richard, I uh, suspect that we could spend many more hours yeah. on the life of Moses. And in fact, like I mentioned at the top, that you have written some even yeah. on the life of Moses. And uh, we'll leave links to that in the show notes, Living Out of the Overflow. Mm-hmm. And uh, just some great insights uh, from his life. But uh, unfortunately, we don't have hours. Yeah. Uh, just a few more minutes here before we wrap up. Uh, what are maybe a, a handful or two or three takeaways uh, from Moses's life and leadership? Or, or what, what are some things that really stand out to you uh, about his leadership that, that we can give uh, the listeners today? Well, sometimes we can get bogged down in some of their human issues and their weaknesses, but uh, great leaders have a way of rising to the occasion at, at great uh, moments. And uh, there's one great story in Exodus 32, verse 32, where God's ready to just judge the Israelites. They've been so disobedient and uh, complaining and rebellious. God's ready to just abandon them to the wilderness. And uh, Moses prays for his people. And he says, basically, uh, if, 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 uh, if, if you have to blot me out of your book that you've written, hmm. but say, spare the people. And I'll tell you what, that's just a beautiful picture of, of a leader who loves his people that God's given him. And literally, is what he's saying is, if it will save the people I lead, you consign me to hell blot hmm. me out of the book of life the, the, take away my ticket into heaven uh, if you and give it to them I tell you what when a leader lays his life down like that for his people it, it's yeah. hard to keep praying for your people that you lead and still be frustrated with them and upset with them all the time 
And as badly as these people behave at times, Moses prays for them some incredible, some of the greatest, most noble prayers anywhere in the Bible. Mm. And uh, to me, it's a beautiful picture of uh, leadership. Uh, Moses also in chapter 34 of Exodus has that great request of God. He says, please show me your glory. Uh, And uh, that ought to be what drives us as leaders is not necessarily just growing our company, our church, our business, but saying, God, in this uh, time I have in this life, I want to come to know you. I want to see you as you are. And interestingly, verse uh, 35 and following of uh, Exodus 34, um, it says when Moses came down from the mountain after meeting with God, his face would shine. That's a, the only person really that the Bible describes that way. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting uh, the Bible will just talk about various people in ways that no one else ever had that particular experience, and which says our walk with God is always unique to us. Uh, there'll be some similarities, some things where God will act in a similar way, but uh, I've always just thought what a beautiful picture that was. It says that uh, when Moses would come out from meeting with God, uh, people could all tell that Moses had been with God because his face would shine, and he'd actually have to put a veil over his face because it was uh, frightening to see this this human flesh aglow from the presence of God. And, wow. uh, and I've often thought to myself, um, uh, before we encounter people, before we go to the office, uh, we need to be meeting with God as well. And it ought to show, uh, people ought to be able to tell, did Sam have his quiet time today with God? You can always tell, his face might not glow. But there is a, a, the presence of Christ about him. There's, yeah. a, there's the peace of God that surrounds his heart when he's met with God first before he comes to work. There, mm. There's a, the wisdom of God at his disposal, uh, the self-control that comes from having first uh, heard from God before he comes into work and starts hearing the problems of the day. And I, I love that picture for a leader of meeting with God and then everybody just kind of whispering, oh, the boss has obviously spent time with God this morning. Mm. You can just tell there's a, there is a, his face might not glow, but there's always evidence when you've been with God. And the last thing maybe just to say about uh, Moses, it's interesting um, that in, in Deuteronomy, when you get to the very end of that book, it says uh, verse uh, 30, chapter 34, verse 10, But since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face Hmm. in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants and all his land. And by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. That's a pretty awesome way to wrap up someone's life. There's never been anybody who walked with God that way who uh, so exalted God that uh, people were were in in terror of this almighty God that Moses served. Um, but of course, when you read uh, Numbers 20, and I write about this in the book, uh, Living Out of the Overflow, uh, Moses is right at the very doorstep of the promised land. He can see it in the distance. And then he trips and falls. He he succumbs to anger. He touches the glory of God. And God says, for that, you're not going in. Moses, you were going to go in. You were just days away from entering the promised land that you've dreamed about all of your life. Yeah. But he tripped as he could see the finish line. And I, I say he, he didn't finish well. Moses had his ups and downs. But I'll tell you something. As a leader, when you've been at it for a while, 
uh, you realize it's not just how you start that matters, but really what matters is how you finish. And yeah. my prayer for myself and for my listeners here today is that um, when you get to the end of your race, when you get to the end of your life, you're not limping in ashamedly for the way you conducted yourself. You don't, you, you don't sort of sheepishly get to the finish line realizing, boy, I, I've got a lot of apologies to make. Yeah. But uh, you're sprinting into the finish line. You're still going all out right to the end. You haven't slowed down at all. You haven't gotten distracted. Uh, and Moses kind of limps in. In fact, uh, while everybody else is headed to the promised land, Moses ends up going up onto uh, Mount Moriah or, or to uh, Nebo and uh, not going with the people. Joshua has to take over at that yeah. point. And so my, my challenge is, even as great of a man of God as he was, perhaps the greatest in the Old Testament, um, but he stumbled near the finish. And to me, that's one of those stark lessons, I think, uh, that we take away from his life is finish well. Finish well with whatever it is that God assigns to you. Well, I think that's a great place to finish this podcast, and uh, I love those those takeaways. Pray for your people as a leader. Meet with God first as a leader, and finish well. Yeah. And uh, thanks for walking us through this new series, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners, so email us at podcast at blackv.org.